Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a fright. Welcome to the greatest Almost couldn't breathe there for a second. Welcome back to the show. This is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode where we're going to discuss the Ghoul Geek uh, Keith pick of the week, Don't Breathe, directed by Fetty Alvarez, coming out in 2016. So that's later on in the show. Uh, But before we get to that, we're going to get to the bold and the beautiful, the Ghoul Geek himself, Keith. You all right, Eric Garner? Can you breathe now? I can't. I, I don't breathe. I don't breathe. Uh, don't breathe. Yeah, there you go. What is up, everybody? How are you all doing tonight? Excellent, as always, sir. And how are you <clears throat> post-Rolling Stones? Uh, I, I am as phenomenal as I can ever possibly be. That is so good. So glad to hear it. And uh, we're also joined by the men. Mm-hmm. What a drag it is getting old, isn't that right, Mad Monkey? (laughs) (laughs) Hey there, Fire Hands. This is your furry furry little ghost, the Mad Monkey. Thanks for listening. Good night, everybody. (laughs) Great show, everybody. (laughs) Fuck you, cool. I guess I see the 
every other band, I guess you just don't do that kind of thing because I guess you buy a shirt when you're there anyway, which, you know, is what we did at this recent Stones concert on Monday. So everyone have your that. paycheck. <laughs> you know, um, you know, the, the merchandise has uh, definitely gone up as far as cost over the years. You know, we uh, we we always work it with a with a two two stroke combo on that. Um, you know, the ghoul girl and me, we we have a system, and her system is just amazing. She pulls off some real amazing deals sometimes, like getting the guy selling the lot shirts down from like twenty to ten. She's like, "Look, I'll give you ten bucks for that shirt," and that's it. And she's got no problem. Like if he says no, she got no problem being like, "All right, bye." You know, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so we've got our one anyway, unofficial Later. shirt. We got our one unofficial for ten bucks. Instead of twenty, courtesy of the ghoul girl, and you know I got you know she got one official shirt for her, I got one official shirt for me, and uh, yeah, you know what it was like forty five bucks or whatever, but nice t shirt man, and it's official tour shirt, so I'm good. Excellent, that's pretty right, nice. Cool. That's pretty nice. Forty five bucks, very cool. Um, but yeah, we are not joined by the demonic doctor tonight. He is once again out of the office. Uh, he'll be back with us next week for his pick of the week that we'll announce at the end of the show. Uh, so before I get into the chair of the heart, he is methodically yeah. probing his rectum right now, as any good doctor Probably. would. <laughs> he has a flashlight <laughs> out and he is just checking for polyps or whatever else comes to mind. I'm sure <laughs> he's got this long, long colonoscopy tube that he holds in his mouth and puts down his ass, and then blows. He's pretty he flexible. Blows wind into it. <laughs> Your pussy's as big as a house. Your pussy's as big as a house. Why'd you say it twice? I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, man. Pulling out the Hawkins. Wow. (laughs) All right. Poor, poor soldier, man. you wanted to talk about before I get into some sweet little articles. Uh, Monkey, ghoul, no. anything? Nope. Let's talk about uh, people. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm sure you, if you don't bring anything up, I'll pop some shit up, that, you know, some, some trailers or whatever. Uh, aside from oh, that, I man, stuff. again, I, I haven't gotten to any movies and uh, I, uh, you know, we, we've spent the last two days, I've, I've caught up on The Descendants. As far as that series goes on uh, on the Disney Channel stuff, you know, all the the villains' kids, you know, rocking oh, and rolling. Okay, yeah. It's like mm-hmm. High School Musical all over again. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of trailers, uh, Three from Hell uh, was released a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we didn't have a chance to talk about it on the show because I believe the Ghoul and I were the only ones that actually watched it. Uh, Monkey, did you have a chance to check out the trailer? Yeah, I got. To, uh, yeah, I actually checked it out a couple times. Okay, so why don't you take the lead? What do you think about Three from Hell? The teaser that we uh, got. Oh man, I just wasn't excited about it, man. It's it's just it looked like just Rob Zombie doing his thing, white trash, white trash, and it's just it what just didn't really get me in the vibe for it, man. It's like you know, I just wasn't feeling it here. It's like uh, okay. it, it it very much looked like <clears throat> excuse me it looked like they are going to introduce 
um, the Devil's Reject, and then it seems like the film is going to take a you know, sharp right turn and go into some other, other weird zany antics that are going to be going on. But, yeah, I don't know. I just really couldn't get into this dude. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, did you like The Devil's Rejects? Did you like that film? Yeah, that movie was fun, man. It was a nice old-school, old like, just, you know, movie that just made you feel dirty when you watched it. Mm-hmm. Okay, good point. Uh, Ghoul, I know we've talked about it off air, but what did you think about the trailer for Three from Hell? Road trips and rape, man. That's what I'm talking about, dude. <laughs> fucking what I'm talking about. Dude, I guess so that like gets me hard. Um, but uh, as far as the Three from Hell trailer goes, uh, yeah, I mean, I see where the monkey's coming from with it. I mean, it looks to me like it's going to be... I feel like he's going to end game this shit a little bit. I think we're going to get the end results of whatever happened in Devil's Rejects. Uh, we're going to get the news clippings and whatnot of them recovering and who survives that, who doesn't. Bit of a trial circus thing. I really have this feeling that we're going to see uh, Captain Spaulding um, either go away or die. Um, yeah. And I have a feeling that the three that we're going to really see in this film are going to be Baby, um, What's-His-Face, and whoever Richard Brake's character is going to be. Yeah. Oh, Otis. you mean Bill Mosley? Uh, Otis. Otis. Okay. No, Otis and, and, and mm-hmm. again, uh, Brake. Uh, I don't know what his character's name yeah. is going to be. Foxy. What is it? Foxy. Foxy. Okay, so Baby Otis yeah. and Foxy. For some reason, I have a feeling that yeah. those are going to be our our leads here, you know. So however they attach it, I think it's going to be a Rob Zombie film, man. Which you know, look, <laughs> you either you either go with it and enjoy it for what it is, or you're the kind of person that has your arms crossed and you sit there and you go, oh, all he does is make trailer trash stuff, and oh, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do that. Like, you know what? I stopped having expectations for his movies, and it's made me a much happier person when watching his films. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I wasn't a fan of, of his Halloween uh, visions, but I did like Lords of Salem after a couple of viewings. It took me a while to get into Lords of Salem. It, it's not a great film, but it's not bad. Um, when I first saw it, I hated it. I thought it was just stupid. But then I watched it a couple more times, and I'm like, you know what? It actually isn't that bad. It's actually kind of fun. Because like the ghoul had just said, yeah. if you kind of just take away your expectations and you just kind of realize this is Rob Zombie being Rob Zombie doing what he wants to do, then the movies are fun. They're enjoyable. Like if you just strip away all that stuff, like, you know, it becomes fun. Um, with Three from Hell, I enjoyed the trailer. I thought it was good um, to resound what the ghoul had said. It looks like they do survive the shootout at the end of Devil's Rejects. It looks like they're, they're horribly shot up and they're in comas. Uh, but there is a, a scene that I actually paused it in the trailer where they show Captain Spaulding's mugshot. Uh, and the mugshot reads Johnny Lee Johns, uh, February of 1985. So there is yes, a time Yes, which I thought was a big deal. It should, well, it also not yeah. only that, but it tells us the time period that it's a place in Yeah, as yeah. far as the, the films 80s. themselves go. Yeah, because I think the original, or Double Rejects rather, was in 77, 78. I think that's when the film took place. So now we're jumping to 1985. And we're actually getting the real name of Captain Spaulding, which we never got in Devil's Rejects. He called himself Cutter. He called himself a bunch of different names, but it's actually Johnny Lee Johns, which I think is a cool name for uh, the character. 
I was disappointed by the fact that he's not in it a lot in the trailer, which leads to what the ghoul had said, is that he's probably going to end up dying at some point, maybe to help him escape. He'll mm-hmm. die in that process, kind of like uh, Mother Firefly did in Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was cool to see him in the trailer, though, mm-hmm. you know, just laughing, that hysterical laugh that he always mm-hmm. does, and talking about being a dancing clown mm-hmm. for the world. Um, mm-hmm. I like Richard Brake. I think he's great, mm-hmm. and I think he's going to be a good addition, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. he's not Spalding. That's my only kind of downgrade. Mm-hmm. For this movie is that mm. they're not having egg in the entire thing, right? And it's just also it's like I I'm just like I just really wish they would just trim baby's uh, screen time. It's just you Good luck with you that. know it's, yeah it's just yeah I know, but it seems like the more <laughs> movies that zombie seems to be making in this realm and you know his side projects off of Halloween. You know, they're all just starring baby, and I don't think they need to be. It's, it's, it's okay to hire an, an actress. <laughs> it's the dude's wife, and you know what, man? Yeah. yeah. He thinks she's hot, which physically she is. You know, she's very attractive. Even better oh, no, she, so. I'm not, I'm not saying she's not pretty. I, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just, a, lot of, just that. a lot of women really enjoy her. Um, I think mm-hmm. they all project themselves into Sherry in a weird yeah. sort of way, um, which lends to, like, seriously, like, if your girl likes that kind of thing, it lends to some <laughs> vigorous sex action after watching a Rob Zombie movie, because they all want to be yeah. badass little babies, you know, so... <laughs> I can only imagine. But I don't mind her in, in the, the films of, like, House of the Corpses, uh, Devil's Rejects. I like Baby as a character because it's just an unhinged woman that's psychotic, and she plays it really well. And that's why I don't mind her being in these movies. Uh, it was great seeing Dee Wallace in the film, almost kind of unrecognizable as a prison guard. It looks like she had her nose broken during the escape and licking her lips in the trailer. And I was like, oh, look at Dee Wallace, you know, kind of playing against uh, Sykes. And being a little bit dirty and a little bit uh, kind of again, well with the Rob Zombie type, but I, I appreciated seeing her in the, the trailer. And Mr. Saggy Bridges played by uh, uh, Ron Howard's brother, Clint Howard. They showed him a Clint Howard. Which I thought was fun. <laughs> <laughs> that man Mr. Is funny Saggy like Bridges. Immortal. I'll tell you, you can look <laughs> yeah. up movies in the twenties and you'll find like Clint Howard <laughs> in there somewhere, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Showing up in the background at a computer or something. It's yeah, like, doing something about silent film. Now, there's fucking Clint Howard like waddling by. <laughs> now it's looking like the cast for this thing is going to be way bigger than it was for the first two movies. Um, do you think Rob Zombie's going to be able to handle a cast like that? I don't think we'll have a problem with it. I also think that it's not a very big budget either. You know, judging from what I saw in the trailer, so I think he could handle who's in it. He's worked yeah. with a lot of them before. It's not like he hasn't. He's worked with Dee Wallace. He's worked with Danny Trejo. He's worked with, obviously, the three. He's worked with Richard Brake. It seems like he's just working with people he likes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is what he does. And also, yeah, I, I, you know, I think he'll, he'll split whatever time he does for shooting and whatnot. I, I don't think he'll ever have, like, you know, I think probably the, the most amounts of people he's going to be working with at any one given point was probably any kind of trial stuff. Um, or courtroom things, mm-hmm. you know, where you have to have uh, a decent volume of people within there. Um, but yeah, as far as like just uh, an overall cast, yeah, I think it's his regular 
supporting round of characters and, and cast and crew. We're going to see all kinds of familiar faces, as always. Yeah, which is always nice when you see Rob Zombie's films because he has his cast. Uh, I like the introduction of, like, the Luchas as being these vicious killers wearing the Lucha wrestling masks. Now, they're going to play into it. Rob Zombie's cameo in the trailer, you can see him clearly wearing an eye patch and looking weird as fuck, but that's Rob Zombie. I mean, there's a lot of good stuff in the trailer. I'm looking forward to seeing the product. Callisto and whoever that other Lucha was that wasn't, you know, Rey Mysterio. Uh, I forget that guy's name. Yeah, Sin Cara. Sin Cara. I think there's been two of them already, so. (laughs) Yeah, come and gone aside from Ray. Uh, So, yeah, we'll look forward to that. Um, But one of the things I wanted to get into tonight is kind of the the tipping off point for horror movies. There is a movie coming out that's being released by Blumhouse called The Manor. Uh, the film is kind of like a take on the most dangerous. It's called game, the. It's called the hunt. It, it's called the, actually. Yeah, it's called the hunt. It's called the hunt. I, cor- oh, I corrected so I that on matter. your post. No. Okay, well, I appreciate that because so, I honestly thought it was a matter. So it's called the hunt. No, so no, my mistake. Yeah. So it's the hunt. Uh, but uh, essentially, it is a story about a group of MAGA supporters. And if you don't know what MAGA is, that's Make America Great Again, which is Donald Trump supporters. Basically, waking up in an isolated location, being hunted down by elite liberals. The ads have been coming out slowly. I haven't seen any, but apparently they've been coming out. But now they're being completely pulled due to the horrific and unnecessary uh, shootings that happened me. over the past Sorry. weekend. Um, and they're saying that this movie should be pulled completely just because of the content, because it's kind of leaning the way of the left. Um, and it's just a horrible thing to release, and we should not be watching this stuff. Uh, my whole thing is that it's a horror film. It's escapism. It's going to be there no matter what. You know, it's not going to stop anybody from doing something else that's terrific in real life. So why, why deprive people of seeing a film that either way they might have an opinion about? And I wanted to get your guys' opinion about mm-hmm. that. Well, I have seen the trailer, um, and I was kind of disappointed by what I saw in the trailer because it's not coming across as what you're saying of, you know, right-wing supporters or anything like that is just coming across as rich people hunting poor people again, you know, and we, Which we've seen, and that's yeah. how the, yeah, yeah, we've seen it, you know, <laughs> with, with, with Ice-T. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> yeah, with was Jean-Claude Van Damme. You know, we, we, I was gonna, I was gonna say, man, fucking hard target, dude. I watched the trailer. I saw the trailer when I saw Crawl. And seriously, as I sat there throughout that trailer, the only thing that kept coming through my fucking mind was Wilford Brimley with that stupid Cajun fucking accent. Okay, with his whole fucking with, with <laughs> the hard target, man. You know, it's all all <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. The, the trailer really doesn't come across the way that you're saying, though, and it just comes across as, you know, rich elitists are hunting down the poor people in the country, and then right. and then throwing some in, and then throwing some hunger Hunger Games stuff in there by uh, for change, arming the people that they're hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but I just I don't think they should be pulled. I think they should just be left. I don't, I don't really see the point of, of pulling them. I mean, violence exists, you know, and this is just, it's art, you know, so why, why pull it? You know, what, what's the, what are you going to do by pulling these ads? Nothing. If anything, you're going to make people want to see it more. Because of which, is exactly, yeah. which is exactly what's going on here. Um, 
I don't believe that this is anything other than just a marketing ploy at this point. Like I said, the, the movie's trailers dropped. I think it wasn't creating any buzz. And, you know, mm-hmm. is it a little bit of a... Uh, I guess it's a little bit of an underhanded tactic to try to take advantage of a of a a recent tragedy, but yeah, I mean I think they kind of are while still spelling somewhat of a of a realistic you know fear that I think a lot of other people have. Um, I don't know, you know, there was a with with all the shootings and everything that went on, you know, what really struck me was seeing, uh, you know, on the news. I think it was yesterday, man. You know, a motorcycle like backfired in Times Square, and you just saw all these people take off, start running, you know, thinking that there was a fucking shooting. Yeah. You know, that is the climate that we're in right now uh, as a country, and that is that's that's scary, scary to think that way, you know. Um, but. You know, the best we can do is really just keep an eye out. You know, if you if you see anything suspicious, you you fucking make sure you open your mouth about it, and just don't. You know, at the same time too, don't don't make it about thinking every single fucking person you're looking at is you know the person that's gonna shoot you all of a sudden because it's not always. Mm-hmm. The case. No, it's not. Yeah, I, I definitely don't want to take the time to be political about anything because I'm not getting into that. Uh, I just think, like the Gula said, it's one of those things where if you pull it, now people are going to be more interested in seeing it. Maybe people weren't interested in seeing it before, but now, because of this, you're going to make people want to go really go hard and go see this movie. Um, It happened previously this year with Happy Death Day to You. Uh, It was supposed to be released on Valentine's Day, and then it ended up getting pushed back because a father of a shooting victim said that the anniversary was on Valentine's Day, and he felt that it was in poor taste to release a horror film on that day. So the studio caved and released it a couple of days later. Again, I think that's going to make people want to see it more because they're going to want to know why the studio caved and still it, go see the movie. It, it, it didn't work in the case of Happy Death Day to you because oh, obviously no. the returns <laughs> on that <laughs> film were a hell of a lot, <laughs> hell of a lot lower than the, the returns on the first one. Yeah, it completely backfired on that. But uh, uh, piggybacking off of Happy Death Day to you. Christopher Landon uh, has been hired by Blumhouse to direct a new horror film that's uh, going to be shooting this fall. The details are is about a killer that stalks people in a small town and he wreaks havoc. Now, what's interesting is that there are people out there that are raising the rumor that this is actually going to be a screen reboot because Jason Blum of Blumhouse uh, not too long ago said that he planned on getting the screen and Hellraiser properties and putting them underneath the Blumhouse umbrella. So while this is probably a flimsy rumor, so that's why I say rumor, it's not true uh, as of right now, but it would be interesting to see if that is exactly what it is and that Christopher Landon uh, is going to be directing a screen reboot because of what he did with Happy Death Day, uh, the first one at least, I think he would be a perfect choice if they were going to reboot Scream. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, think, I mean, that's now, what I mean. Now, I saw something that you put up on the Talking Terror page, and I wanted to ask you, King, because I wasn't quite exactly sure by what you put in the article, but talking about reboots and re-releases and stuff like that, what is it that you put up here about the Friday the 13th Steelbook? Oh, that that's not even about a reboot or anything. That's actually a funny story. Um, there's a company in France that's going to be releasing the original Friday the 13th from 1980, uh, in a steelbook, which is the popular thing nowadays with physical media, is really steelbooks. 
because you can make a cool cover and it's cool because it's steel, it's not paper, it doesn't erode over time. But for some reason, whoever is in charge of marketing and you or can knock the your cover, kids in the head with it. And you can. You can whip it right at them, get them in line. But whoever decided the, the, the cover for the film features somebody that looks vastly overweight, wearing Ugg boots, carrying a chain, and wearing a half of a hockey mask covered in shadow. So this has everybody going, what the fuck? Like, who, who chose this cover art to be officially released for Friday 13th, 1980, that you could buy right now on Amazon France, uh, that page? So that's official. It's being released. Oh, it is les les chansons <laughs> Somebody didn't ever saw that movie in France, and they just thought, "No, oh, Friday 13th is probably about a fat guy that runs around with a chain wearing a hockey mask." Yeah, but the uh, maybe, maybe not. I think the better idea okay. with that is, is, you know, somebody knows that the Jason character is who is the face of Friday the 13th. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. even though it's yeah, the first be. movie, you know, the cover doesn't necessarily have to reflect the contents of the first movie. You know what I mean? It's just reminding you that it's part of that franchise. Um, you know, I don't know, as far as him holding a fucking chain, like, you know, I don't know, looking like Ghost Rider, uh, you know, it's so just, whatever. <laughs> uh, that, that yeah, I thought was a little bit on the, uh, the odd side, you know, I just, I don't, I don't remember yeah. Jason using a chain in any particular kill, no. though I'm sure he must have, at some point or another, used something similar. Or looking so hefty. Oh. That guy, I had to wait <laughs> on the cover. <laughs> Oh, Jason, Jason's a mountain boy, you know. He's got some meat on those bones, dude. Eating a lot and of. If it's reboot, oh. Jason. Hey. If it's reboot, Jason, he's high all the time. You know, he's smoking the reefer, so he's always got the munchies. <laughs> oh, but uh, my, my, no, I was gonna say. But uh, speaking of Friday Thirteenth, my son um, introduced me to the Friday Thirteenth game on the PS4 today, so I got to give mm. that a shot. That was that was fun. It was fun. What did you think? <laughs> yeah, it, it it was cool either running around as Jason or as being one of the teenagers and running around like a motherfucker. It was just annoying because as I was going around as Jason and I finally got someone in my hands, I'm getting ready to stab him. I'm getting my ass lit up by fireworks. Everyone's got a fucking pocket knife. I don't know where everyone's finding all these fucking pocket knives, but I'm like getting st- stabbed all over the place. There's blood coming out of me all over the place. But yeah, it oh, it, wow. it was fun. <laughs> you you obviously did better than I ever did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The ghoul who never got to play. Always waiting for somebody. No, I did. That, uh, I, I, I played no, once. I play, yeah, no, I played it one time, which is why the countdown finally went went away. But uh, <laughs> the count up, whatever the hell, it was, whatever it was. Countdown. But uh, yeah, no, you know, I uh, I got my ass kicked as a counselor. Came back as Tommy Jarvis, having no idea how to play this game, thinking, all right, that's it. I got a shotgun. I'm going to fuck Jason up. I shot him point blank. And, yeah, he then turned around and just basically spiked my ass into, like, something else because there's a whole series of things you have to do to make that gun effective as Tommy Jarvis. So that was that. Oh, man. Wow. Disappointing. But – uh, at least, you know, Monkey got to play it and enjoyed it, uh, you know, and uh, I guess, you know, that's cool. I mean, I, I've seen playthroughs, and it looks like a lot of fun uh, getting to play as Jason or the camp counselor. Uh, but that kind of leads into what else I wanted to talk about, which is uh, American Horror Story. 
is going to be releasing their new season next month, uh, September 18th, called AHS 1984. It's going to take place at Camp Redwood, and it's about a slasher. Uh, they released a trailer that is completely out of the 80s with uh, teenagers drinking beer, rotting in trucks, getting all sexy in bikinis on the beach, and then a killer butchering every single one of them. I'm honestly really excited to see AHS 1984. I just I'm worried that I'm going to be disappointed because I'm not really a big fan of American Horror Story. I haven't always been a fan of their aesthetic. So I'm kind of hoping that they really pay homage to 80 slashers. And I put an ad up uh, earlier on the Facebook group chat that they have of a girl getting slashed, uh, hanging up laundry. And I was like, okay, it's got my attention. Looks cool. <laughs> now, on this, uh, what, what channel do they run American Horror Story on? FX. AMC. Oh, FX. Sorry. My bad. Yeah. Okay, so FX. So they are able to get away with cu- some cursing and some blood. Is that right? Yes, they will be able to have a little bit of cursing, and I'm sure they're going to have a little bit of blood. Plenty of blood. I more. think language has is, is never really been a problem with it. The show comes on at a at a late night, uh, late night, like really, 10 late enough, late enough time to where they don't really have to worry about the language censors so much. I think it's really nudity is the main thing that they can't have at all, and you know they even skirt that line sometimes, getting pretty damn close with shit. Yeah, they could do mm-hmm. okay. nudity, which a lot of shows do. You know, they can get away with it if they do it the right way. Um, I just like I said, I'm looking forward to it. It's like the first time I've really been excited to see a TV series come out because it's like my wheelhouse, 80 slashers. Like, you know, how could it go wrong? And then I'm like, wait a second, it's American Horror Story. It probably could go wrong because I've seen a lot of bad seasons <laughs> of American Horror Story <laughs> that have fallen by the wayside. Yeah. Right. That, that's the thing I'm trying to figure out is do you think they're going to be able to write a, a strong enough storyline to carry what we usually see in an hour and a half of slasher film? into a season's worth of story. <laughs> yeah, I'm hoping. I mean, the, from all the teasers and the trailer and the ads I've seen, it seems like they have nailed the aesthetic of the 80s slasher. Like, with the characters, with the killer, with the location, it seems like Ryan Murphy really knows what he's doing, but that doesn't always translate into a good story. You know, whether or not the acting... I mean, the acting shouldn't matter anyway, because we've seen 80s slasher movies. Acting goes out the window. Yeah. doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know, it's just... About the killer and about seeing some tatas and seeing some good kills. You know, we're not going to see tatas, obviously, but we'll get close. So let's hope there's just some good kills, which I'm hoping to see. Yeah, and, I, and I'm figuring that, you know, I mean, I, as somebody that is a fan of AHS, um, you know, and I've had seasons that I've loved, I've had seasons where I didn't like it all that much, um, some mm-hmm. seasons that I haven't completed. Um, like I haven't finished the season for cult. I haven't finished the season for hotel. Um, but you know, other seasons, you know, I have watched to their fruition. And one thing I've always found them to do, you know, even when it's dedicated to a specific genre or genre type, um, they mix it up. They throw in little sprinkles of other things, into the season so i don't feel like we're gonna you know i don't feel like the idea is that we're gonna get a whole season that feels like one slasher movie i feel like it's gonna be a situation in which we're gonna get a blend of other 80s tropes as well but the main scope of it is gonna be this slasher you know situation that's going on Mr. Jingles apparently is the killer's name, which I, I'm hoping it's not, but it's looking like his character is going to be Mr. Jingles. 
So <laughs> I don't know how terrifying they can make that character, but hopefully it'll be good. I like the look of the killer, you know, with the, the mask and, and the clothing that he wears. It's a good look, but uh, we'll have to see when it premieres on September 18th. Uh, I'm definitely going to be checking it out. I can't wait. Uh, so I'll see if I can finish that season. Because like the ghoul said, I started so many of them after Freak Show, and I just never finished it. Like, I never finished Hotel. Uh, I didn't really watch Cult, and I definitely didn't watch Apocalypse, the last season that came out last year. So it, it's yeah, a struggle. I just watched that. See, I liked Apocalypse. Oh, you did watch it was, it was com- well, I, Yeah, you know what? I, uh, I was tempted due to the fact that I enjoyed Coven um, mm-hmm. when I finally did get around to watching it. Uh, that was actually one of the later, you know, I know it was the third season, but I had watched a couple of other seasons before I ever went back and actually watched that one. Um, and I know it was, it was also combining stuff from Murder House, which was the first season. Uh, so in that mm-hmm. season, you know, I really, really loved the shit out of. Uh, oh, so yeah, I figured, you know, combining so the two and turning it into a whole apocalyptic thing would be uh, be interesting. And, it, you know, it had some really bright moments. And then it also had some really not so, so bright, you know, dullish moments. So... Yeah, I would say, like, overall, if I was to grade that thing, it would probably sit, like, somewhere with, like, a B, B-minus type of deal. Uh, the highs are really okay. great in that season, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard uh, both, you know, and I still haven't checked it out. I want to, because, like I said, I love Murder House, the first season. Not so much Coven, but Murder House definitely would tie up there for me. So I definitely want to check it out to see how it connects. Um, but talking about other series that I'm really excited to be coming up soon, hopefully soon, Amazon has decided they're going to work with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost on a show called Truth Seekers, where the duo play paranormal investigators going around the UK and investigating haunted locations. It's not a, true, uh, not a true series. It's not like they're playing themselves. They're going to be playing characters, and it's going to play like a horror comedy where these two are a paranormal duo that get involved in some antics in the UK. Uh, that series is going to be filming this September. Eight episodes at a half hour apiece. Anything with Peg and Frost, I'm in for. So I can't wait to see what Truth Seekers uh, is going to be like. <laughs> Truth Seekers! <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's just... Uh, well, while I enjoy Peg and Frost, too, it's just, unfortunately, like, I've had my fill of investigative ghost shows because the diva is all about those. Um, yeah, I've had my fill. And also, you know how I feel about those uh, shot on site TV shows, you know, like things well, like this Office. Well, parody though. It's not going to be them actually playing themselves. It's supposed to be making fun of ghost hunting. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm excited. Yeah, about. but I'm just hoping they don't go too far with the whole, you know, talking to the camera thing and look, you know, you know what I'm talking about I do. <laughs> with that whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, just, I think that they because they're going to be helping write it. Uh, they're going to star, and I think they have their their minds in the right place, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, because I, I I like making fun of those ghost shows, and I'm hoping that they pick all the right ones. You know, when it comes to making fun of the ghost shows, you know, screaming at the yeah. ghost, hearing a, yeah, a sound, do, what the hell is that? If, yeah, if they do it right, where they're actually making fun of it and doing it in the right way, yeah, I think it could be a really successful project. Yeah, it could be. Uh, so that was a little thing I wanted to talk about real quick. But the bigger news I wanted to talk about with you guys, because the doc's not here. He doesn't like comic movies. He doesn't like comic books. But we do. Uh, Venom 2 officially has a director. Mr. Andy Serkis himself is going to be directing the film. It's been officially announced that he's been selected. 
over a bunch of other directors for the director's chair. Big move, bold move, but I wanted to get your opinions on Andy Serkis going from actor to director, picking a property like Venom 2 to get started with. Cool. Why don't you go on this? Because I still haven't even seen Venom. So how about you go in on this one, man? Um, you know, listen, I have nothing but the highest amount of respect for Circus. Um, yeah. As yep. far as his his abilities and the things that he's done through the years to forward motion capture. And yeah. how we've seen digital characters come to life on the big screen and obviously at home on the small screen. Uh, you know, I feel like the work that he did with Peter Jackson, you know, in the Lord of the Rings films, it was like somebody threw a stone in the water and that ripple effect that, you know, Andy Serkis created has affected just everything as far as other films and what we've seen of motion capture over the years since. Um, that being said, I do feel like it's a ballsy move on Sony's part to trust somebody with such little experience directing a film um, you know, for a feature film, and one that is, you know, I mean, it's the second movie in which ter- what turned out to be a surprise hit, um, yeah. you know, for Sony. Uh, I really don't know what their expectations were for the Venom film. Obviously, I know they wanted to make their money back, but, you know, considering that it turned out to be quite a hit, it's quite popular, Um you know, for for all of its faults. I mean, I even enjoyed the movie. You know, I came away from it. Yeah, it was great. You know, I went into that movie. I expected to hate that movie. I went in. I'll be right off the bat, man. I went in arms fucking crossed. I had seen the trailers. I knew it wasn't an, an R-rated film. That's what I want to see from Venom. Uh, you know, we've spoken about it before. We want to see him eating brains, eating head, doing this, doing that. Yeah. Um, and Tom Hardy's, you know, simple Jack. You know, performance (laughs) Just like it was just You know, a little much And yet, as I'm watching the film I found myself Really, really loving Tom Hardy's performance I loved the way he performed I I, I loved what he did with Eddie Brock I really enjoyed it the, The parts that I actually didn't like as much Were the actual Venom parts you know, the parts that you would think you would mm-hmm. expect to like in a movie called <laughs> fucking Venom. Um, I would have done with a lot more Eddie, and I would have been fine with it. So what I'm hoping is that they're bringing Circus in here because he's going to take the digital characters, Venom, Carnage, all of that stuff, because you know it's going to be heavy-duty CGI work on this. So I'm hoping they are bringing him in here because he's got some fucking grand ideas of what they're going to do with these characters, especially considering, you know, the it's not like it is with the, the regular Marvel films in which the characters have like a... They don't the, the the other characters like we've seen within the Avengers films and stuff like that. They don't have a fluid aspect about them. Whereas like mm-hmm. when I think of like Venom and Carnage, I think of things like the Blob and you know like the Thing. You know John Carpenter's the Thing and stuff like that. Creatures yeah. that their bodies distend and come apart. And there's like you know it's like thinking of Spider-Man's web, but that's all it is. You know so. 
these characters, they are going to be heavily, heavily digital. So I really, really hope he's got something planned for this. And that's why they're giving him the work, man. So nothing but the best. I hope that it works for him. But if it doesn't, it's Sony's fucking head, man. They're going to... It's gonna it's gonna hurt big time if this film does not succeed. Yeah, I definitely think that's why they picked him because of all his work that he's done with motion capture. I think he's got a good mind for that. I think he's gonna be working with the effects department, I'm sure, to make sure that it's just right because I think he's got a great eye for it. But you know, yeah, I mean, I've always appreciated him as an actor too. He's been in some really good movies. Uh, he was in Age of Ultron and then in Black Panther which I really enjoyed him in, and also a movie that uh, a romance movie called Thirteen Going on Thirty. Which I thought he was. I was just about to say he's fucking hysterical. He's hysterical (laughs) in Thirteen Going on Thirty. Okay, as the neurotic guy that runs the fucking paper, the magazine, or whatever. So funny. So so. I had no idea that that was the same guy that played Gollum at the time, and I just found him hysterical. I I ended up looking him up, and I'm like, holy shit, that's who that is. (laughs) I was so impressed, but. I mean, Mikey, do you have any thoughts about it? Because you know who Andy Serkis is. I mean, do you think that, you know, he's going to be the right choice to direct uh, a pretty big, you know, franchise? Yeah, but it's just like the goal was saying is making the jump from actor to director. And it's just, you know, so he's going to definitely know the movements that he's going to want to be shooting for. But is he going to be able to translate all of that into a fluid movie? It's like it's one thing where you actually know 100% how you want to shoot your characters in a 100% digital environment. That's great, but are you going to be able to sit there and handle the rest of the movie as well? That's the big thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you going to be able That's to get other people to do what you want them to do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be the so, biggest thing. I mean, yeah. So for the second movie, are they talking about bringing in the rest of the family? Is that what they're talking about? Uh, I mean, we know Woody Harrelson is as Carnage. That, that's what we know at yeah. this point. And Michelle okay, Williams is coming would. back as well. Okay, but we don't know if they're bringing any of the other uh, symbiotes in. Well, the first film had a number of them. Uh, you had five. Yes, it did. Oh, it, oh, it did. Down, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. You should, oh, there was a number yeah. of them. Again, oh. man. I've said it, you know, you should see the movie. It's 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 worth watching. It's 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 a good time. Yeah. You know, just temper what your expectation is from the venom aspect of it. Right. That's exactly okay. what you told me when I watched it. <laughs> I remember texting <laughs> you the night I watched it and I'm like, I'm about to get in the venom like, temper it. Don't even think about it. Just watch the movie and enjoy it for what it is. And I really did. I mean I do agree with the ghoul that I kinda wanted less venom and more Eddie Brock because I felt like venom they were try- I guess they were trying to kind of emulate Deadpool in a lot of ways with the humor, and I didn't really think it, it landed in a lot of spots. Like, I felt like they were really reaching with this Venom symbiote kind of being uh, really kind of comedic in scenes where I didn't feel it was necessary. You know, they tried to make it like a buddy cop film where, you know, you had yeah. the, the, two, the two warring partners, you know, that have to work together, but you know, for, for whatever reasons, can't can't get along normally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly what it was. I mean, it was good. Like I said, don't get me wrong. But, yeah, it's just temper your expectations when you go in, uh, Monkey. Um, so I'm looking forward to it either way because I really enjoyed that first film. So I'm hoping to see Woody Harrelson as Carnage. I know that's supposed to be expected. So looking forward to seeing that happen because I think well, he's a good choice. Get rid of that terrible wig. Just get rid of oh that wig. Oh, my God. Yeah. That, that fucking thing was terrific. 
<laughs> Ronald fucking McDonald. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he kicked the shit out yeah. of a McDonald's, you know, out of a Ronald somewhere when he was doing a birthday party. Took it and fucking filmed the scene. <laughs> it was yeah, it was pretty bad. It, it looked like a ninety-nine cent fright wig that you would get at the dollar store, <laughs> you know. And they're like, "What do you put this on?" He's like, "What the fuck?" He's like, "Yeah, just wear it. You're only going to be in like thirty seconds anyway. So put it on and it'll be fine. We'll change it. We'll change it for part Probably two. Just, Don't worry." They borrowed him from the set of Solo, you know what I mean? And they were like, "Here, just put this put this wig on real quick, man, and say, say this." <laughs> yeah, and say a couple lines, and it'll be good. Um, uh, okay, so what else did I? Have? Okay, I so, know for me, uh, just real quick, one of the trailers that I had seen recently, I caught it um, again when I'd seen Crawl, and they just did a Red Band uh, trailer for it as well. Um, have you guys seen the trailer for this movie coming out called Ready or Not? No, I haven't. Uh, no, I don't know. I'll see you now. Unfortunately, there you go. You fucking just let all the you let all the air out of my tire. Okay, thank you. Yeah, man, I totally saw that shit. It was <laughs> fucking rad, dude. Or, well, man, you know what? It looks like it's just a real, real fucking shitty horror version of this movie. Um, well, now all I can say is go check out the fucking trailer for Ready or Not. It looks like a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing the damn thing. Okay, because I, I was thinking when you said Ready or Not, you were talking about that uh, the Hide or Seek movie that's coming out. Uh, I can't remember what the movie that movie's called, but yeah, there's a movie about yes, uh, that's, a, a woman. That's, that's Ready or Not. Oh, okay. Well, then I have seen it. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I love it. I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the one with the chick that she gets she's getting married to the gaming empire family yeah. and all that stuff. I have yes, seen yes, it. That is so, yes, Ready I've or Not. Yeah, I've uh, seen that trailer. Yeah, I've seen so that trailer. Good, it yeah. looks so it looks yeah, like a, a period piece, but so much fun. With I, the girl that's in it, she looks so much like Margot Robbie that I actually thought it was her for a second. I honestly thought it was Margot Robbie that was playing the role of the, the bride. Yeah, you know, uh, the cool girl actually thought too that uh, you know who they probably went after for that role as well, uh, Emma Stone. She had a very similar Good look to part. her too. Yeah. Um. You know, she's just like a blonde version, but it's it's Samara Weaving. That's uh Hugo Weaving's uh niece, I think. Oh. oh. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, she looked. I mean, gorgeous. I mean, the set pieces were amazing in the trailer. Um, and just kind of how sadistic the family gets playing this game of hide and seek. Ah, uh, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're right. Well, it looks like a lot of fun. I know, Monkey. You haven't seen the trailer. If you have it, you need to. Uh, ready or not, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, but also she was the babysitter in the movie The Babysitter. Uh, oh, you saw that. that was her? I did, yeah. Yes, That's was. a great horror comedy. Oh, it's fucking hysterical, man. It's one of one of the better Netflix films. <laughs> yeah. And I do, I'm, I am also knowing her as, uh, I mean, you guys will be knowing her soon, too. She is your Mrs. Ted Theodore uh, no, I'm sorry, Bill. She's your Mrs. Bill S. Preston in the oh. upcoming Bill and Ted movie. That's cool. That's really cool. Okay. Well, I mean, she is gorgeous, and yes, I do remember her from the Babysitter. Now that you mentioned it, because I do recommend the Babysitter mm. to a lot of people. I was like, if you want to see horror mm. that's gory but it's also really fucking funny, the Babysitter on Netflix is is so good. Like, you have to check it out at least once, because it plays in all the tropes of a horror mm. film, but also plays with a lot of laughs. That's the entire thing. Mm. I'm sorry. She is not mm. Miss, Mrs. Uh, Preston. She's actually oh, no. his Thank daughter. You. 
She is Bill and Joanna, Princess Joanna's daughter instead. So we okay. do now know that they have kids. My bad. That's a spoiler. I should have mm. a spoiler alert or something. Mm. <laughs> um, but since we are also talking a little bit about trailers, I did post one a couple uh, – a week or so ago on the group chat for the new John Travolta movie, The Fanatic. Did uh, either of you guys check that out when I posted it? <laughs> Yeah, so yes. I mean, this is yes. like a dream that I would have when I'm sick, like when I have the flu, and I have a fever dream, and I'm like, yeah, what about a movie starring John Travolta and Devin Sawa, but it's directed by Nookie, Limp Biscuit, Fred Durst, and go. And that's what the fucking trailer was. <laughs> <laughs> it was watching it, I watched it like three times when it first came out because John Travolta looking so fucking weird with his weird bull haircut and eyeglasses and talking in like a weird voice and just going completely off the rails as a psychotic stalking after Devin Sawa at one point wearing a Jason Voorhees mask and carrying a butcher knife. Uh, what did you guys think about the fanatic trailer? Because to me, I can't wait for this movie to come out. I'm buying it first day. Coming out. <laughs> it, it struck me as a movie that would have been really nice as a short trailer. I don't know if this is going to be able to work as a full movie. It's like, and you know, we're really going to give Fred Durst this kind of, you know, <clears throat> room to work with. Uh, but I guess John Travolta needs some work, so let's just see how it turns out. <laughs> I, I don't know if Travolta needs to work. I mean, it's it's John Travolta. Like, I don't know if he needs to work. But to see him play against type and play kind of like a weird little psychopath, I thought that was just a lot of fun. It had a lot of misery references in there with Devin Sawa. Um I, I just loved it. I mean, it does, to me, it doesn't matter if Fred Durst directed it. I mean, anybody could have directed it. It's just the kind of funny that Wimp Biscuits, Fred Durst, is a director. Uh, Gore, what did you think about The Fanatic? I mean, all right. So I think, like, with the John Travolta turn, it's funny because it reminds me, actually, of when, uh, when Robin, like, you know, and obviously John Travolta works a hell of a lot more. Um, as far as like just yeah. making movie after movie after movie these days. I mean, if you look at digital, like I, again, whenever I'm looking through the digital releases, like I'm seeing all these fucking movies that have Travolta in them these days, and I'm like, wow, well, that didn't <laughs> yeah. make the theaters. That didn't make the theaters. No. It's like he's competing with no. Nick Cage nowadays, as far as fucking putting out like 12 <laughs> movies per year. Um, but it did, you know, initially it just made me automatically think of uh, Robin Williams when he did uh, Photo Booth. Um, you know, where it was just such a weird turn. For the actor to do oh, a one hour photo. So, yeah, without well, yet, yeah, sorry, yeah, I thought it was photo, but one hour photo, whatever it was, man, but it was just such an odd, oddball choice for that, that specific actor. Um, now, aside from that, though, I don't know, you know, my problem with the, with the Fanatic is it's a movie that's already been out. You know, I mean, in 1996, yep. they made a movie called The Fan with Wesley Snipes and Robert De Niro, in which oh, Wesley yeah. Snipes played a sports figure. And Robert De Niro was completely obsessed with the guy to the point that it became a problem. And now it looks like instead of being a sports guy, it's an actor and, you know, a whole paparazzi thing and everything. But, you know, ultimately it's it's the same. It's a stalker film, you know, which doesn't that also just trace all the way back to, like, Taxi Driver and shit? Yep, it does. I mean, there was also a movie in the 80s called The Fan about a guy that was obsessed with an opera singer. Uh, that was based on a book in the 70s. So, yeah, I mean, soccer movies uh, and obsessed fan movies aren't new. I mean, Misery, like I said, with Kathy Bates and James Caan. The cr- we've had that. The Crush. <laughs> the Crush. You know, so, yeah, soccer crush movies aren't new. Oh, it's just the, the fact crush. that you're adding. Oh, <laughs> I don't believe it's so good. Oh, 
Alicia Silverstone, so hot, man. <laughs> hey, Jennifer Rubin was in that, and she was pretty hot in it, too, just saying. Just yeah, but dude, that was like Alicia Silverstone at her, like, at that fucking, like, major peak, man. You had the Aerosmith videos, you had the crush, <laughs> you had Clueless, and then it was like, yeah, Batman and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, she kind of went downhill fast. She was in, uh, she's done another, she's actually in a lot of shit, man, you'd be surprised, but she was just, the most recent thing she was in that I know of, it was actually on TV earlier tonight, was uh, the fourth Diary of a Wimpy Kid movie, you know, she's playing the mom. Oh, she was in that? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know that Thomas ever yeah. stopped playing the dad, the guy from the Wonder movie. Yeah. American Werewolf in Paris. Yeah. 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 Which was a weird movie. Hey, I love. Oh, come on now. I, I like American. I like American. I like so hot. The yeah. 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 Yeah, what, yeah, it was like one night in Paris and like one sunrise in Paris. Yeah, a whole bunch of movies. Before <laughs> sunset, before sunrise, yeah. before fucking nighttime, before dinner, <laughs> yeah. you know, after lunch, <laughs> brunch, second breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bilbo Baggin. <laughs> but he's oh, right, there are a ton of movies in that franchise. <laughs> I think the, yeah, I think there's I only three. Him. And what's cool is that they do take place like over a long period of time. So seeing them in the last film was real interesting because they naturally had aged, you know. So uh, and they they played with yeah. that in the film itself. Now I've only actually watched the first one from start to finish, and it's one of those <laughs> yeah. where it was. Yeah. It's like I always wanted to get into the series. I always wanted to check it out, and then I watched the first film, and I was like, yeah, this ain't for me. No, it's not. I mean, I like Ethan Hawke, but that movie just could not hold my attention. I mean, I watched the whole thing, but man, I was hoping for something more because I like Ethan Hawke and I like whatever he does. I mean, he was in that movie Hamlet back in 2000. That was the modern retelling of Hamlet with Bill Murray and Kyle McLaughlin, and it was really fucking good. But yeah, you know, the, the, the Sunset Sunrise movies just didn't hit it for me. Mm. I mean, I go as far back with Ethan Hawke as fucking Explorers, man. You know, like I think Ethan Hawke and I think Explorers. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, and he was main character in that. And I, yeah, and me personally, you know, I just dug him in, in Gattaca just because I, I, I dig my cheesy sci-fi. And it had Jude Law oh, as well. Gattaca. So. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you said Gattaca, though. And I say Daybreakers was Willem Dafoe, the vampire movie that he came out Ooh, a couple years that, ago. So that, yeah. that was a great that was a great movie. It was. <laughs> it was really fucking good. <laughs> yeah. Avenge me. Come on, Spider Man. <laughs> well always, I, I will I, never I, I, not see that, that man as the Green Goblin, man. You know, and it sucks because no, I look at his face yeah. and I would really love to see him play the Joker because he just naturally has a face that would play oh, the yeah. fucking Joker, but because he's played the Green Goblin, I never want to see yeah. him play the Joker. Yeah. And people have done it online where they've made like fan photos 
of him as the Joker in Joker makeup. And I'm like, it works. It works. I'd see mm-hmm. it. I mean, I would see it tomorrow. If they announced Willem Dafoe as a Joker in one of these movies, I would definitely oh, see it. Oh, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And speaking of Willem Dafoe, real quick, there's a movie coming out by Robert oh. Eggers, who directed The Witch, called The Lighthouse. Uh, it's coming out pretty soon. Uh, they shot it in 35-millimeter black-and-white stock, uh, and it takes place in the 1800s with Willem Dafoe and Rob Sparkly Vampire Pattinson as two men that yes. are in charge of a lighthouse on an island in Rhode Island. And, uh, yeah, shit gets fucking weird. And I saw the trailer for it, and I was like, I want to see this movie. I think Robert Eggers, you know, is great. I love The Witch, and I can't wait for The Lighthouse. Well, yeah, well you maybe, know. That, maybe that's based on the same short story that Creature from 50,000 Phantoms was based on. Because that was it just based be. on a short story called, called The Lighthouse, and it was just about two men with weird shit happening. And then they, they took yeah. that and made Creature from 50,000 Fathoms. It could be. I didn't look into any trivia about the lighthouse that's coming out, but you could be right because that's what the trailer kind of shows you, is that it's just two men in charge of a lighthouse on an island, and uh, yeah, hallucinatory, weird shit happens. Um, but it, actually, like I said, it made me like Robert Pattinson, and I've never really liked him as an actor, but in the trailer, I'm like, you know what? I'd actually see this because him playing opposite Willem Dafoe actually kind of worked. Because yeah, Willem Dafoe being fucking crazy the entire time and Robert Pattinson just being Robert Pattinson. But it worked for me in some way. What, what, leering and looking like he's fucking, you know, ready to date rape somebody? Um, yes. I just, uh, <laughs> yeah. that kid is yet to time. fucking do anything that I have been like, wow, you know, like, um, and uh, that's Batman. No, he's not. Yeah. He's not. He dropped out. What? Oh, yeah, did he? Oh, yeah, he dropped out due to scheduling conflict. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. Oh, thanks. I, I, <laughs> thanks, the maker. Yeah. I remember seeing something not that long ago that said that Pattinson was going to have to drop out due to scheduling conflict. So we might be back at the drawing board for our Batman. So it doesn't look like it's going to be Pattinson. At least that's what I read not too long ago, that he had to drop out. I don't know, man. Oh. I'm just still seeing him as Batman stuff. Okay, well, maybe that was just a rumor, but I remember reading that that long ago, uh, that he might be out as Batman. So we'll see. I mean, that's still a long ways away, the Batman movie, uh, Matt Reeves' the Batman movie. Um, but so, yeah, that, that's uh, a movie to check out, The White House, which is coming out pretty soon by Robert Eggers. Uh, but I'm having trouble breathing, so I think I want to get into the movie for tonight. Uh, wow, David Tennant as Don't the breathe. Riddler in The Batman? That would be good. That would be, I'd see it. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. <laughs> anything with, anything with David Tennant is fucking awesome, yes. man. I will watch him read yeah. the phone book and be entertained. <laughs> yeah. if, if you want to have a – sorry, super quick before we get into it. If you want to have a great time watching David Tennant, before he did Doctor Who, he did a super short miniseries uh, for BBC called Casanova. It's about the life of Casanova starring David Tennant. Awesome watch. Okay, now let's go on to the movie. Betty Alvarez, Don't Breathe, in 2016. This is your pick, uh, Ghoul, so why don't you get into it? Uh, Don't Breathe, from 2016. Uh, In a nutshell, man, this is a, uh, you know, this is one of those films. I ended up getting it as a uh, double pack. Uh, I had ordered the, 
Yeah, there we go. There goes my brain real quick. The Evil Dead remake. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it leaked out of my left ear, crawled under my chin, and popped back into my right ear. Um, so, yeah, no, I had gotten the Evil Dead remake, you know, because it was like a double pack and, you know, for a future pre-order was giving me Don't Breathe. Uh, this was one that I wanted to right. see in theaters, never got around to seeing. Definitely liked the, uh, the premise of it, liked the look of Stephen Lang. Uh, essentially, you know, this, the summary for this film is these three kids break into an old blind dude's house and fucking get a hell of a lot more than they expected. They did Excellent. not get the money. They did. Well, <laughs> Show me the money. we'll find out if they got the money. Um, so, Monkey, what do you think about Don't Breathe? Um, well, uh, you know, I'm, I keep telling the king I'm not a fan of movies with small cast, but he keeps arguing with me about it. But I, I'm not a fan of movies with small cast because you really, really, really have to have solid acting and really, really good plot with to make it work and ghoul i was blown away by this movie this movie fucking flew by for me i had such a great time watching this movie this this movie was a fun ride that like every time you did every time you thought it was getting ready to slow down stop they threw something else at you just to fuck you up you know and it was an emotional roller coaster the entire time and yeah i had a great time after i was done watching this movie all right. Very yeah, cool. you don't like small cast movies, but you like Mr. Sardonicus. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But 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 hmm. you you got to understand the entire audience was part of the cast of that movie, so it wasn't a uh-huh. small cast movie. Uh, but yeah. what did you think okay. of the movie, King? <laughs> well, I actually did see Don't Breathe in the theaters because I was a fan of Evil Dead, which Fetty Alvarez directed. So I wanted to see his follow-up, and then I ended up buying it in Blu-ray because I wanted to add it to my collection. Um, I do really like the concept, like the Gould said. It's a cool concept. Uh, you're in Detroit. You're in this run-down area of Detroit, which is the unfortunate real-life uh, Detroit, uh, kind of run-down because the auto industry kind of left. Um, but I have problems with it as well, um, and I had it from the get-go. is because you have the three main characters that you're following. You have Money, Alex, and Rocky, a.k.a. Roxanne, and then you also have the blind man uh, played by Stephen Lang, who I think should have been Cable in Deadpool 2. Argue with me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Some people are born to play. Okay? There are some <laughs> fucking human beings out there that just genetically look exactly like fucking drawings <laughs> in comic books. Okay? And this man is the most realistic fucking representation of that character I've ever seen. I've seen fan art where they taken him and fucking digitally made him look like Cable with the scar and the metal arm. And it's like... Really? You fucking people didn't have to do shit. I'm not taking anything away from Brolin, though, because he was entertaining. Sorry. Rant over. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's what I, yeah. and that's what I told the monkey, too. I said, not to take anything away from Brolin, but, yeah, Stephen Lang, to me, I was fighting for him to be Cable in Deadpool 2, and it just never meant to happen. But uh, And I liked him, too, in Dead, uh, Don't Breathe. I thought he was great as the blind man with all this uh, expert training because he's an ex-military guy. But the problem is that I have with it, and we'll get into it as we talk about it, is that none of these characters are redeeming. There aren't any characters that you really want to follow. I mean, you could follow the blind man. 
because he's having three people break into his house and he has to defend it, so you can get behind him. But as the story progresses, you find out that there's a lot more going on with the blind man that makes you not really think of him as a protagonist, but kind of an antagonist. And the three characters that were presented with, like I said, they are really there to rob this man. Like, they're not there to do a heroic thing. They're there because they want to get out of Detroit. They want to move to an island or wherever they want to go to. So they want to rob this guy of the 300000 he has in his house. But we're meant to sympathize with them, I think, in some way, especially with Rocky. And I wanted to get your guys' perspective because I felt like that's what Fetty wanted to do. I thought he wanted you to sympathize with Rocky because of her home situation. But at the same time, she's a thief. She's still a criminal at the end of the day. Yeah, you you go ahead, Gould. Uh, I mean, I do agree that, I mean, out of the, uh, all right. I mean, you know, King, uh, these are problems that I shared, um, especially watching it this time around, um, knowing, you know, I, uh, I'd only watched this film the one time prior when it first came out. Right. Um, it was at that time that I watched it, you know, when I when the, the pre order finally went through and I was like, Yeah, I get to watch Don't Breathe and you know, me and the ghoul girl sat down, watched it, you know, probably fornicated and I, I, I briefly you know, or swiftly forgot about it right after, you know. So for the most part I remembered all the main beats of the film but forgot certain specifics of it. Um so now while watching it on uh yesterday uh, in the morning, you know, it, it didn't take too long for specific things to dawn on me again as to what was going on with it. And one of those things being exactly what you said is that realistically, you know, none of these characters are, I don't want to say none of these characters are redeemable. Um, yes, the three youths, what's a ute? Um, the three youths are... Are thieves, you know, and not only are they thieves, but, you know, you have Dylan Minette or whatever his name is. His father runs a security company. They're, you know, he's got this, this chick, Rocky, and her boyfriend, you know, they're totally taking advantage of his crush on Rocky. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's getting them the info and the keys and the things to get into all of these houses. So, I mean, I guess in certain ways you can kind of feel bad for him if you wanted to. And say, hey, you know, this guy's just some love, you know, lovesick schmuck, and they're taking advantage of him. But at the same time, you know what, kid? You fucking grew up in in Detroit, okay? Your fucking dad runs a security, you know, agency, man. Like he could not feel any less real in right. this movie. Agreed. Like he really did not feel like he came from that location in any way. Um. Mm. Rocky felt like she belonged in 8 Mile. You know, I was waiting for fucking her to walk out of her trailer, and there's Eminem across the way to, like, you know, give her a fucking quick wave. You know, hey, Marshall, what's up? You know, yeah. 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 Feeling, feeling, feeling blind. Quick middle finger up in there. That's it, you know? He'll throw out a couple fucking raps. He'll be like, you know, Stephen Lang came and went. Fucking, I don't know, man. I'm not Eminem, so I can't rap like that. And your anyway, mom's um, there you go. You know, uh, I, I love me some early Eminem. So you know, just just, just to get that out it. there, man. His yeah. early shit. Yeah. His early shit was fucking awesome, yeah. man. Um, yeah. And you got money, who is like the exact opposite end of the spectrum as Dylan Minnett's character. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he feels like he's 
too far into like, hey, you know, I researched, you know, what people that like to steal shit in Detroit are going to be like, yo, I'm totally character acting right now, man. I'm like, yo, you know, but like you look at him and he just, he looks too clean. You know, his fingers are too clean mm-hmm. to actually be that person. Like, you know, you, you got the personality down, kid, but you needed to fucking do a little more research into what people look like. You know, man, come on. Yep. Um, so, yeah, so out of those three, no, I really didn't like any of them. Um, and, yeah, I guess he was trying to, to make Rocky sympathetic by having her, you know, live with Trailer Trash Mom and wanting to get her little sister out. And, you know, maybe they wanted to sympathize with the other kid a bit because he was all love-struck. But, I mean, I looked at him like, you know what, man, you guys got dealt some bad hands, and you guys kind of suck at what you're doing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Monkey, uh, what did you think about this? <laughs> well, I didn't really feel... Shit. Just Johnny Cash rolling through. You didn't say shit? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I didn't. You no, I poop? really didn't. <laughs> no, train was rolling by as I was trying to talk. Um, but yeah. I, uh, I thought you were doing a duty while on the air, man. That's hard to do. <laughs> I've, I've pulled that off before, man. You got you to gotta try to mute. Yeah, you do. You got to be real quiet. <laughs> No, but I, I really didn't feel for any of them either, though, man. It's like, you know, we've got the, you know, <coughs> Wonder Bread of the entire group. And, he, you know, his dad works for the security company. And right now it's got to be the worst fucking security company in Detroit because all the houses are getting broken into. And no one's asking any questions about how come only houses for this security company are getting broken into. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And yeah, well, this yeah, is but, just uh, as oh, well. Remember, right now the cops are on strike because OCP is about to privatize <laughs> law enforcement. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's They're right. New Detroit. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but I you know just wasn't feeling it for any of the characters. Them you know <clears throat> money just being douchebag extraordinaire. You know. Rocky, we're supposed to feel sorry for, but at the same time, she's doing like you said. You know, none of them are saints. The the, the only character who who is guilt free in this movie is uh, the dad who works at the security company. Other than that, everyone has major major flaws, and as the movie tells, we will get into those flaws of every character. They do. They yeah, do I mean, have I, a lot of flaws. I think that's yeah. that's Fetty's. But that I think is sorry, man. I just real quick, and then I'll let you. So um, I think that's mm-hmm. Fetty's design as far as yes. what he yep. wanted you to feel like with the first time you watched this movie. Um, see, unlike other films where, you know, repeated viewings might add to it, I feel like this is that, that one type of film where, you know, the first time you watch it is that one time that you're going to get that cool shock that really flips the film over for you. And I think any time you watch oh, yeah. it after this first time, it's kind of like, hey, you know what's going to happen. So it's like, yeah, right. Um, but, yeah, I think the whole idea is that you're supposed to really think, like, these three scumbags are, are pulling this shit on this poor fucking blind, you know, army vet, you know, who lost his fucking eyesight in the Iraq war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and yeah. that's the one thing I wanted to bring up too quick is because I want to get into the rest of the movie. But it's not like we haven't seen home invasion movies gone wrong before. Uh, there was a movie in the 60s called Wait Until Dark uh, with Audrey Hepburn. That's uh, fantastic oh, with yeah. Alan Arkin. Uh, but it's, it's similar. Uh, but there's also The People Under the Stairs, uh, the Wes Craven film, where you have <laughs> two people breaking into the house. 
and then it turns out to be the worst fucking house they ever could have broken into, mm-hmm. and that's what happens with Bill <laughs> Freeze. Um, but you have, like we talked about, you have these three characters, and the whole time of questioning, okay, you're, you're robbing people because you want to escape, you want to leave because of your home lives. Alex could have gotten a job with the security company very easily because it seems like he is an intelligent kid, you know, that could have some promise, you know, but he wants to hang out with money and he wants to hang out with Rocky because he has a thing for Rocky. Um, but like we had said, money, he's the stereotypical gangster lean type character with the cornrows and just wants to rob people. That's how he wants to get his money. Um, It's just when they go to Stephen Lang's house, when they discover that he's the only house in the block that has somebody in it, they think this is going to be easy. Like there's nobody around. There's nobody in these houses. He's the only guy in the block. So we'll go in there. We'll subdue the dog that he has. We'll get the chloroform bomb and we'll just go in there and just take the money. When they're outside the house and money's talking to, to... yeah, but he's talking to Alex, and he's talking to Rocky and saying, well, you don't have to go in. You know, it's okay. We'll figure out another way in. Money says, well, that's my bitch. I know you got a crush on her, but whatever, dude, that's my bitch. I'm like, all right, Money, shut up. Like, you know, I couldn't like you anymore, and now I just fucking hate you. Like, you know, if that's your girl, and you're calling her your bitch, you're, you think you're cool, you're a thug. And, yeah, it's just, it's just deplorable characters in a film where you watch them go and break into this house. Um, but they don't know what's, what's going on. You know, I, I love the introduction of Stephen Lang when they see him in the bedroom and he has a tape going of his daughter on the TV and he's laying there sleeping. And then all of a sudden he's sitting straight up and down. like the first time I saw that I jumped, you know, it was a great <laughs> jump scare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah and the re- definitely and- is a very effective uh, shot. <laughs> and the reason they're going to sit there and break into this house is because apparently his daughter got run o- uh got got in a car accident, got run over by a uh, rich guy's daughter. Um the family got they off, paid him and, off. They paid this, uh, and supposedly they paid him a six-figure sum of some kind. You know, so they're going yeah. in there expecting you know, at least 100k going in here, which is why they're going in to hit this place. And they at first they seem really kind of together. With the plan, like the, the chloroform bomb that money sets off, you know, they subdued the dog. They're not wearing shoes so that the floorboards can't creak. So you think, like, everything's going really well. Like, they're going to get this money until they find the basement. And that's when money wants to just say, fuck it, I have a gun, and I'm going to shoot the lock off of this thing. Who cares? The old man's subdued. But he's not. And it was a great scare when all of a sudden Stephen Lang just pops up, and he's like, what, what the fuck's going on? Like, who's in this house? Like, it was the first kind of tension-filled moment in a movie that does have a lot of suspense and does have a lot of tension. And it's, like, the first time that you're getting it. Yeah, and this again, movie I mean, is definitely an emotional roller And at this point, you're still thinking that, like, hey, you know, these guys are just in this house. This man, you know, they, they did everything to make you feel real bad. About yeah. these three kids because of they how they built up Stephen Lang's character as, you know, here's this army vet, lost his sight, 
daughter dies in a car accident, you know, and in the end, you know, it turned out to be some fucking rich family who was able to fucking pay their lawyers and get a settlement deal, and, and, you know, nothing would be fucking, you know, nothing would be satisfying on his end as far as uh, as things went. So, you know, you feel like this poor guy is just living in this, this house in the middle of an area that is completely, completely abandoned. You know, he's the yeah. only person yeah. living in this this development or street or strip or area. Yeah. Um, all the other houses have been just abandoned completely. Um, so, so yeah, you know, so, so between yeah. the 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 poisoning or whatever, sleeping the dog down, and then you know setting up the chloro bomb and all that shit. I mean, I think they they really made you feel like okay, these kids. Kind of know what they're doing You know I thought the floral bomb was a, was a cool little thing You know what I mean It was like yeah, alright that's yeah, kind of nifty yeah. um, You know of course I think chloroform though yeah. And I just automatically always Go right to that meme where you know The guy's holding the napkin up to some chick's face And is like hey does this smell like chloroform <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Boom right to my head You know like oh you know fuck um, But uh, but yeah So it's, it's quite a shock when he fucking Comes standing there next to him after he shoots the fucking lock off the door, man. <laughs> and Go ahead, the, the ex- No, and I just want to say the exterior shots. I loved all of the exterior shots. Um, just I didn't realize that until the king had told me that this was actually shot in Detroit. And it's just I've seen documentaries about Rock Detroit City. now, and you know about how once the car industry had folded up, all of the neighborhoods had folded up with them, and just you know was a veritable ghost town. And just to see yeah. it here, it's like, yeah, you know, it's just freaky as shit. You know, this is definitely not John Hughes Chicago <laughs> kind of thing. No. no, this is Detroit, you know, post the industry of the auto industry going under. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. when he shows up, uh, the old man, you're thinking, what the fuck? Like, they all pause and they all freeze up because they know he's blind, so they can't see him. So they're like, all right, well, we won't breathe. We won't just – we'll stand there. But it's money that he first kind of recognizes because money steps on the you know scoreboard. Uh, I love the interaction between him and the old man because he thinks he has the upper hand. He's like, I got a gun. <laughs> What's this fucking guy gonna do? <laughs> like, yeah, fuck you, man. Like, you know, we're I'm in this house. I'm gonna overtake you. Shut the fuck up. And he, Stephen Lang is so great in this scene because he's putting his hands up almost like he's afraid. You know, just kind of putting yeah. his hands up in front of his face and advancing um, towards money. Until he eventually grabs the gun and turns it on money. And it's like, okay, this is great. <laughs> I was like, what is going to happen now? Money's now afraid. He's begging for his life, saying that he's the only one in the house. There's nobody else here. And, and see, for me, I remember seeing the trailers for this film. And, you know, obviously the trailers kind of showed you, you know, where things mm-hmm. were going to go. You knew shit was going to oh. go down for these kids, you know, doing what they were going to do. Um, which I feel like is, is almost like, you know, a missed beat. I almost feel like if they would have been able to show it, almost like a panic room style trailer that you really would have shocked the fuck out of the audience when this stuff goes down the other way. Um, but when he was approaching him with the hands up and everything, you know what? I've, I've known too many people in the military and specifically, you know, there's okay. one person who got us into this radio stuff that uh, was oh, yeah. trained in close quarters combat. 
So, like, as soon as those hands went up, I knew exactly, like, what that position is. That's a disarming, you know, disarming position. The idea is that you're fucking putting your hands there because you are going to basically snatch that fucking yeah. gun out of that kid's hand, man. And it's just like, oh. It, for me, it wasn't a matter of, oh, is he going to get shot? It was, oh, shit, when's he going to get that gun from that kid and fuck him up? And when he does get the upper hand with money, it is so great because they go the realistic route with it. When he finally puts the gun up to money and ends money's life, I love the shot of him getting shot in the head because it's not like this big bloody mess. I mean, it's realistic. You know, it's just right to the mouth, and you see the blood trail coming out of his head. You know, it wasn't like a horror <laughs> movie where they just explode the head like a trauma film. No, it's an accurate picture. <laughs> And I, I know that was by intent for uh, for Alvarez. You know, this movie was yeah. made as a response to everybody's feelings on his Evil Dead remake. Um, everybody felt like it was, you know, mm-hmm. way too gory. It was done over the top. It was done for shock and awe mm-hmm. and all of that shit. Um, plus being that it was, you know, a, a reboot, remake, however you want to call it. Um, so he just kind of mm-hmm. said, you know what? I'll make you a suspense movie. I'll come up with an original concept, yeah. and you know what? Here you go. So, yeah, everything done in this film and it worked. is all very – it's using very simple methods. It's a low budget. It's only a $9.9 million budget that they got on this thing. You know, they're under ten, um, and And, yeah, he uses it all to its – Best possible fucking effect. I mean, I feel like, again, you know, whether or not I liked the characters um, or felt like they were fleshed out well, not me. I do not mean to take away from the tension and the atmosphere that he's built in this film because that is the main star of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And for, yeah. Yeah, and for me, going in, I went in completely blind on this thing. So everything that the Buddha was saying is like, yeah. Uh, um, but everything that w- is going through the movie, I had no hints about it. So all of this stuff, you know, you know, cable coming up, snatching the gun, all that kind of shit, you know, was fucking me up all over the place. And every scene, like every intense scene that happens completely throws me off as, you know, they go around another turn in the storyline. And, yeah. When you when you go in not knowing anything about this movie, this movie is a really fun ride. <laughs> it is, and it's after Money is Dead. That's when Nordstrom, who is the blind man, I should say his name is Nordstrom, uh, in the movie, uh, he's going into the, the moment of well, I gotta figure out to dispose of the body. You know, I have to wrap it up. I have to take this body outside. So while he's doing this, you have Rocky and Alex inside the house still, not sure what to do, but they know where the safe is, and it's in the closet. So while they hey, Alex, in the closet the money, hide the money's in the safe here. Uh, yeah, and they find and this is again why I have a problem with these characters, like especially Rocky. When she opens up the safe and she has all the money, she immediately starts taking everything out of it. Like she's going to make away with all the money no matter what. Just to, despite the fact that money's dead doesn't matter, she's gonna take all the cash and go. Doesn't matter. Like they're not gonna escape this house. She needs to get this money and go. At the same time, I'm with Alex, who's like, we just need to get the fuck out of here. Like, we need to call the cops. We need to get out of here. And she's like, no, we got to get the money. The money, dude. The money. <laughs> so, again, like, I just I couldn't side with her character enough in this movie. That's all she cared about was getting out with the cash. 
Yes, and she sure as fuck didn't care about Alex and making sure that, you know, he was safe either. You know, she only had one priority, and that was the cash. She didn't care about anybody else or anything else. That that was the only reason she was there. Yeah, that's it. I, that's all she cared okay, about. Like, and yeah. I mean, I see that. I do see that. But at the same time, I'm looking at, like, okay, like I'm trying to put myself into that situation, right? So let's say the three of us. Mm-hmm did this, right? And, you know, you, me, Monkey, whichever one of us is is in the closet at that particular moment. We just saw him fucking open the safe. We know what the code is. We know the money is right there. Unfortunately, one of us is laying dead in the other room because of this situation. You got to kind of look at it and say, you know what, though? If we don't take that fucking money, then that person died for nothing. You know, you got to wait. You're going to just run with nothing. You know what I mean? And that is like, all right, you know, like, yeah, okay, we're doing a scumbag thing. We're doing a real shitty fucking thing. One of us has already paid for it. You can look at it and say, all right, if we could try to get the fuck out of here, great, fantastic. You know, we survived with our lives. But, you know, man, that fucking, that, it's like Pandora's box. That shit's fucking right yeah. there. I know I would <laughs> take it too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to, to, to jump and then jump back real quick because I'm going to do both. But to jump ahead a little bit, when they're in the bedroom where they can't get out of, uh, Alex is the one that says, well, we just need to call the cops. <clears throat> like, we'll call the cops, they'll come, and they'll arrest this guy. And she's like, well, you know, it's going to go from robbery to kidnapping and murder. And she's like, well, what about the money? So, again, like I said, I see your point, Ghoul, about, like, he, money would have died for nothing if we don't get the cash. But at the same time, Alex is thinking, I, I need to leave here with my wife. So, fuck the money. We just need to go. We'll call the cops. They'll come and they'll say, oh, well, you know what? You were kidnapped and your friend was murdered. So, fuck the cash. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, uh, but no, you know what, though, of. again, man, like what we're going to end up seeing at the end of the film anyway is that, you know, the fucking, the guy has all kinds of fucking plans and shit in place oh, yeah. for yeah. this kind of situation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was no way that even if he called the cops then, those kids were going to be fucking blamed. You know, it would have been, this was an invasion. He killed that kid in self-defense. And you know what? They're going to either be sitting in juvie or jail, wherever the hell they're going. Now, yeah, so they're still going to be alive? Absolutely. You got your chance at a couple fucking, you know, let's say, say a hot mill, dude? Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. A lot of money, man. Not like it's only ten grand, you know. You're not talking about like a couple thousand here. But yeah, so they they grab the money and they take him to the basement. Imagine having that kind of cash there, man. You know, think about that, dude. Club thirty-five in that place. Exactly my point, man. (laughs) Instead of fucking, you know, getting robbed by some fucking Russian broad. That sucks, dude. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that's a story for another show. But I was, so, anyway, I was but, so bombed anyway. I couldn't have cared less. Yeah, you were. I can't believe we made it there. Like we actually found it. Like, you know <laughs> we how messed up you both were that too. night. How about that? <laughs> I know. I have no idea. Like I still don't know how we did it, but we did it. But um, when Rocky and Alex go into the basement, they're trying to escape from Nordstrom at the time. They go in there, and they find that there's a woman restrained in a padded cell. And this is what goes to me talking earlier about the old man. So, yes, he's an ex-military guy, but at the same time, now he's going into the villain territory. Because why does he have a woman chained up in the basement? Well, that's Cindy Roberts, 
the girl who ran over his daughter, and she's chained up there because he obviously kidnapped her. Why he's keeping her down there, they don't know. They just know that now, not only do they have to save themselves, but they have to save Cindy as well and get the fuck out of this basement. Fuck that. I'm leaving the bitch behind. Yeah, I'm leaving her. I'm not taking her. Are you kidding me? No. I've got got the fucking money. Yeah, I got the money. I yep. Nope. Listen, honey, I am sorry. Mm. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Mm. I'll fucking put I'll a call, call into nine one one. Yep. Anonymous and let them know that you're down here. But that's not gonna happen if I don't get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but what what is so good, and I want to get into this, is because when they when they try to save her, they go up to where the the basement door, the cellar door is. And when they open it up, Stephen Lang is right there with his gun, and he's just firing into this basement. He clips Alex and he kills Cindy in the process. And Cindy's dead now, laying on the floor. And when Stephen Lang goes into that basement and he steals her body and he just fucking goes into fucking, oh, my God, what the fuck? No, no. I'm like, what? Dude, you're fucking mourning her? <laughs> this is the girl you kidnapped. What is going on? Yeah, because you we know, don't know what's going on yet. You killed her. <laughs> no, that cannot yeah. be. But we don't know yet why Nordstrom's mourning Cindy. Like, why the fuck would he mourn her? He kidnapped her. But we don't understand what his motives were for having her down there. But obviously, he's upset. So that's why he's got to go into this mode, which I love because I thought Betty was great in this sequence. When Nordstrom shuts off the lights and they go into the black and white mode where you can tell that they're in complete darkness, and every time Nordstrom shoots, you see color. I thought Alvarez is amazing shooting this particular sequence. Yeah, that was a great choice of sh- shooting that scene. A little bit long, but it was for my taste. Oh, but it that. was still a, it was a, it was so good. Yeah, no, this got, is like you know for me it. it's like the highlight of the film, man. You know, I it's one of those two where it's like you can't really figure out completely. You know, what I'm guessing is it's a mix of them really being in complete darkness with uh, with night, you know, with them using night cameras for it, which is why it's got the gray. But the reason why I'm thinking that it's got a mix of some digital effect is for their eyes. Um, you know, you can see how, like, large, you know, as your, your pupils dilate to take in more yeah. light when you're in darker mm-hmm. environments. You know, their fucking eyes are like... Yeah. The fucking mimic in crawl black. You know what I mean? It's like they kind of really filled them out. I almost wonder if they touched them a little bit. You know? They wore Um, special contacts. Yeah, they yeah they wore special contacts. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I know. Like my eyes look like that after I go to the eye doctor and he puts those fucking drops in there to make them all big and shit (laughs) so he can look into it. When when they dilate your pupils. Yeah, yeah, you know, or, or, you know, the times when I drop fucking LSD, you know, and then you put me in front of a mirror, and I'm like, dude, my eyes are so fucking big, man, and you just sit there looking at yourself, wondering why you're fucking looking like you're a baby one second, and then you're looking like a grandpa the next. Yeah, but, um, uh, yeah, but I, re- I really enjoyed the sense of all the panic of them just trying to find a wall, any wall, you know, just scrum, <clears throat> Sorry, just um, str- struggling through the darkness, trying to find anything. Like I, because uh, there have been plenty of times where I've been drunk in the middle of the night, like that, just in my own bedroom, trying to find the bathroom. You know. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Miller Lite. It really works. It's you know, just next to the bed. <laughs> yeah. And it was just a, a great sequence. I know that Monkey said it was a little less, like a little couple shorter. I enjoyed it for what it was. Because uh, it leads them to get the upper hand on Nordstrom and knock them out for a while so they can get up into the bedrooms where it's just – it's all boarded up. It's all barred. It's all boarded. So they, they're trapped. Like they have no way out. But I love when Nordstrom uh, enters the room and he knocks Alex out the window. So it's like, really? You could have just jumped out that window. Like, you know, because he fell out of that window so easily. It's like, well, yeah, how did you get out of that window so easily? You probably could have jumped out. But also they didn't know if there was a glass – uh, overhang, which Alex falls upon and starts to crack, which I love that tension of that glass. Like, you don't know when it's going to fall. Like, you don't know when it's going to shatter. Yeah, well, I also yeah, think, you, know, you have the idea that they don't know. You know, you're, you're thinking, all right, look, this guy's unconscious. You know, we are going to try to get out every fucking way possible that won't require us jumping out a window if we don't have to. Yeah. And, but they don't know about that class, and that's why I love it when Alex finally regains consciousness and he tries to roll over real slow on that glass, and he's immediately met with a bullet by Nordstrom. <laughs> <laughs> drops him back into the house, which is so great because Nordstrom's just, like, waiting there. Like, he's going to wake up, and I'm going to shoot his ass. So <laughs> not even giving him leeway to try to escape. Mm-hmm. Hey. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those weird ones yeah. where it's, it's like he sometimes feels like he can see on a supernatural level, and then others, it's like not so much. But uh, no, yeah. Well, you know, I, also, I like the well, fact that the dog also, is back. Oh, I love it because <laughs> yeah, the dog goes into the vents to chase after Rocky, and I love this little dog running through the vents. A cute Rottweiler. Like I was like, oh, it's adorable. See, <laughs> it's see I was. See, I was taking that as a quick homage to people under the stairs when I was watching that. Yeah. Just all of the stuff of running around in between the walls. (laughs) Yeah. And the dog, you know, running after it because that dog, like I said, I love the dog in the movie because it's so protective, but at the same time, like, you know, it's cute. I love Rottweilers. But, you know, it it works (laughs) because it goes after her constantly. And just when you think that she's free and she's going to escape, no, you're not. You're back in this house and you're knocked out. (laughs) And it leads into the basement once again, where she's chained up where Cindy was. And you finally find out what the ultimate goal of Nordstrom was, which is fucking twisted. And it's Stephen Lang finally getting to have some lines in this movie where he could finally talk and explain himself. And it's just so sadistic, but I enjoyed it. I I was having fun with him being kind of like a villainous character. Yeah, well, that's when we have this major turn of finding out that this guy is not so innocent at all. <laughs> well, but I, I get why he did from the fucking did. moment we saw the bitch chained down there that he's not so innocent, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. But at the same time, like I said, I get why he did what he did. You know, he found the woman that killed his daughter. He chained her up in the basement. And because of what she did, she's going to have to give him a daughter. And because she's now dead, that t- kid that's inside of her is now dead. So of course Rocky's like, What the fuck? She's pregnant with your with your kid? It's like, Oh yeah, yeah. No, 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 she was. And yeah. now you're gonna be too. Yeah, yeah but I'm and no just... rapist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just the you know, it gives turkey basers a whole new meaning now. <laughs> you know, when... 
Uh, you gotta let that shit. Go ahead. You, you gotta let it sit in there and marinate for a little bit. Fucking, <laughs> gotta warm it up, man. You gotta melt that shit down and let it fucking. Yeah, that was uh, that was a gnarly, gnarly fucking scene, man. And as he's explaining all this shit, he's got her strapped up in this whole fucking doohickey, and he's pulling out the fucking scizzers and cutting open her fucking pants and again as he's busy telling her <laughs> yeah. he's not a fucking rapist and it's at that point that you're realizing what he's about to do it's like oh my fucking god uh, <laughs> and just that that turkey baster he's holding is just dripping with his seed it's like oh man they had that one perfect drop come off of it as he's walking over yep. to her just that yep. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah now, job. unfortunately, I don't have the unrated version of this movie, so I don't know if there's like you know any stretched out like sequences involving this shit. But uh, because when I when I pre-ordered it with the uh, the Evil Dead film, it was with just uh, the regular version of the movie, and I know there is another cut. Yeah, I have it on Blu-ray, and that's the one I watch for the show. And it's just it is it's of him having the approach with the turkey baster, full of his juice. And just has that one drop coming out, yeah. approaching her, yeah. and Alex was back well, up. And that's the one, the one moment we forgot to mention is that Alex was trapped by Nordstrom at one point, and Nordstrom takes out a pair of gardening shears, and we think he stabbed Alex, and Alex is out of the picture. But what he actually did no. was he stabbed Money's body, and Alex is still in this game because he's got to save his woman, he's got to save Rocky, yes. and get out of this house. So he's back Which, in that basement, he... and yeah, no. I wish they didn't so clearly set up that Money's body was in that room because there's that little sequence yeah. just as Alex first gets in there that he looks underneath the one counter and there's Money's body stuffed in there. And it was like, yeah. all right. So as soon as Lang's like made the stab, you know, it was like, yeah, okay. Well, you know, he put that in fucking Money. So Alex mm. is going to be coming back at some point or another. Mm. But it was also a during cut. that. Yeah. But yeah. But also during that scene, it's important that they establish the whole thing about the whole daredevil hearing kind of shit going on where with loud sounds, he now has a vulnerability. And when you have loud sounds, he can't conceive anything. Right. Yeah, so they they know how to turn the tables on him in a way so they can get the upper hand and shove the turkey base into his mouth. So now he's got a mouthful of cups. How's that? (laughs) Dude, when that shit comes, like, spitting out of his mouth and everything, man. Oh, God. It's like those fucking nasty, uh, cuckold fucking videos and shit where the dudes are, like, jizzing on their fucking, on the fucking husband's face and shit and, like, down the dude's throat after the guy just banged his fucking wife. Like, I I don't get that, man, at all. I'll never understand that fucking, like, why anybody finds that hot. Uh, no, I don't. I hate cuckold videos. I think they're the worst. So I try to avoid them. Yeah, I know, but you know, like it's one level of cuckold to fucking like be like, all right, you know what? I want to watch some black dude bang my wife. It's a whole nother level when it's hey. I want to watch this black dude bang my wife, and then I want this black dude to drop his fucking load on my face or in my mouth. Yeah, like that's what I'm saying. Go too far. Come on, man. it goes too far. That's, 
way too fucking far, man. And, you know, you're talking to somebody here who likes, like, double anal and all kinds of fucking nasty Kathy Heaven videos and shit like that, you know? Like, I, I go far. I don't go that fucking far. <laughs> no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Those videos, they go way too far, where it's like the dude's like, I'm finished, I'll clean my dick. And he's like, okay. No, not okay. <laughs> not okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guess I got to clean this dick off. Like, you know, I was like, no, you don't. You don't have to do that. Like, you know. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> Hold on, honey. Hold on. Let, let me lick this thing clean. Okay, dear. <laughs> <laughs> But it's 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 one of those sequences. Night at the dog's house. <laughs> but after uh, they handcuff Nordstrom downstairs, yeah, I know. That's why I said I don't want to have any cheap shots against the doc. He'll defend himself next week when he's back. Um, but they they think they could escape and they're finally free. But Nordstrom once again escapes and he shoots Alex finally dead. And I'm like, good. I don't care about him. Like I honestly, when he, Alex died, I was like, who cares? Like, I don't care about it. You know, you could have left a long time ago, dude. You could have been out. You could have been back home. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You wanted this girl that I'll you're give, never going to have anyway. I'll give him the ball, so because you know what? I mean, the first time watching this, I figured, all right, well, now he'll be back again. Like, he missed him. Or you look at the one angle of the shot, and it kind of, like, looks like it's in, yeah. like, his upper left like shoulder blade area not so much like a dead center shot like not maybe not a fatal shot um no i'll mm-hmm. give him, i'll give him props for killing this character you know it's it's one of your leads it's again out of the two yes you know the female your last girl all that but you know yeah. he was you know your your quote unquote hero type at this point you know he's the one that's been doing it this whole time to help Rocky get out of here you know she's yeah. the one that's got these hopes and dreams to get to California and a flashback to the wizard real quick <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna play Super, you know, Super Nintendo and win that championship. <laughs> nah, dude, it was Super Mario Bros. 3 and it was on the NES, man. Yeah. That's right. It was the original Super Mario 3 before it actually came out. <laughs> that was the movie that premiered that game. So, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, you told us where the yeah, first had... whistle was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what I do like in the finale of the film is that they, they have uh, Rocky escaping and going to the car where the dog is chasing her, and she traps it into Rocky. the trunk. Rocky, and then they cut back Rocky. to the first shot of the movie. <laughs> they cut back to the first shot of the movie of Stephen Lang dragging Jane Levi's body through this abandoned street back into the house by her hair. I love the opening shot of that movie. Like I thought it was a perfect way to shoot this movie of like what the fuck is going on? Like you just have this old man dragging this girl back into a house. And a cool crane shot at that too. Yeah. You know, it starts yep. off from yeah. a very high angle, and it's making its way down. And, and yes, you know, we are like, you, and you know, when she's running out, you know, I do wish that they might have, maybe not come in so close on that shot at the beginning Agreed. because you know it's her. You know, because otherwise you can maybe wonder if it was somebody else. Was it fucking yeah. uh, Cindy, whatever her name is, um, the one that ran over yeah. his daughter? Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, you know that it's Rocky. So when she's out, you know she's going to get caught. But it's the fact that they shot yeah. it in the daytime, too. Like, this is a complete daytime shot. It's not night. 
It's not mm-hmm. evening. No, this is in the middle of the fucking day on a lonely street in Detroit. I thought it was a great choice. Like, they're Just not another day in Detroit. In yeah, <laughs> you know. But like the, the yeah. what he had said, they disorient Nordstrom with his hearing because of the alarm that uh, she sets off, which disorients him so he can't find her because apparently his hearing is super because he's blind, which I thought was cool. I mean, I didn't mind it. I thought it was a great device to kind of get her to have the upper hand against him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's, it's you know, it was just a little bit of disorienting, but at the same time, it wasn't like, you know, all of a sudden he couldn't do anything and he was immobilized. It was just oh, no. that was his only sense of being able to figure out where anything was, and that was Rocky's only chance was to to do anything to him, and she did some shit to him while <laughs> that was alarm yeah. was going off. Well, she could beat him upside the head with a crowbar <laughs> a number of times you know, before he pursues her into the basement. Where he tries to shoot her, but the gun ends up shooting. Like you know, the gun goes off and shoots him in the side, leaving her to escape and find safety. At last, finally, she's out of here, but she still has the cash. So she's going to sunny California, everybody. Los Angeles, baby, <laughs> with her Woo! sister Diddy. So where um, where we see though the news report that you know that the, that the cops came because of the alarm. And, you know, they find out that there was a break-in. Nothing was reported stolen, though. Nope. Um, we saw him dispose of the, the the girl's body. Like, I guess, putting her yep. in, like, a pit, filling it with oil, and uh, then oh, that's you know, right. putting, putting, like, you know, a, a sheet of stone over it. So we know he's not getting caught with that. So just like Alex had said earlier in the film, when he was telling them to leave, just go, um, mm-hmm. That basically that, you know, he was buying their silence so that, you know, yeah. he wasn't going to get caught doing what he did and they're going to get the fuck out, you know, and not kill him. Um, so, I mean, that, that that's where they kind of leave this off is that, is that is the case. But, you know, we do know that, you know, again, that girl, her body's not being found. Um, no. And it looks like, a, it looks no, like you know, a, a fucking army vet. Who was blind, you know, got fucking attacked by these, these fucking scumbag kids. And that's what I loved about that uh, report is because while he's recovering in the hospital, it's reported that uh, Alex and Money were the ones that broke in, and in self-defense, he killed them. But he doesn't mention Rocky at all or the missing Money, so it lets her get away with Diddy as they board the train in Los Angeles, which leads you to believe that he knows she's still out there and he could possibly find her. At some point, which I thought was a great kind of cliffhanger ending for the movie. If they ever decide to do a sequel, I know that they were planning to do one. Because when which you suppose, office, supposedly which is there is going to be a sequel to this. Yeah, no, I mean, it made money. Again, on a $9.9 million budget, man, you made a lot of money on it. So it'd be silly yeah. for them not to do it. Um, but that being said, yeah, again, a sequel, you know, it's been – been written, um, according to to Sam Raimi, who I think, you know, I don't know, I don't know if he's pulling yeah, Stephen no. King here or not, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, only the, it's only the greatest idea for a sequel I've ever heard. I'm not kidding. Um, that is yeah, one hell of a quote to be coming from Sam fucking yeah. Raimi, man. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. They, they announced that it's completed as of November 2018. 
And uh, we will see. We will see if this this film comes out. I hope so. I'd like to see what what he's got. If it really is going to be that that great of a of an idea. Yeah, because that was the last uh, I had heard of anything. As of November of 2018, Fetty Alvarez said that he had completed uh, the script, and Sam Raimi making that big quote about how it's going to be the greatest sequel ever written. Um, I do know that uh, back around the same time, November of 2018, Fetty Alvarez on Facebook actually had a poll. Uh, saying, what do you want to see me do next? Do you want to see me make a sequel to Don't Breathe, or do you want to see an Evil Dead sequel? And it was kind of overwhelming, the response to Don't Breathe, which I thought was kind of cool, is the fact that the original idea that Fetty came up with is the one that people want to see make a sequel to, aside from the remake that he did. Because Don't Breathe, at the end of the day, is a great film, despite the fact that it has characters that are unlikable. It's still a tension-filled suspense movie, that isn't like uh, the ghoul I said earlier, it's not as over-the-top as Evil Dead. Evil Dead, you have to go over-the-top. You have to be extra gore. You have to be violent. But with Don't Breathe, he relied more on suspense, and it worked in the long run. Mm-hmm. Just not yeah, really again, it was a... Uh, <laughs> no, go ahead, oh, go ahead, cool. No, I was going to no, say, it was go, just dude. a fun emotional roller coaster. I'm going, I said. It was a fun emotional roller coaster watching this. And again, going in completely blind, not knowing what anything was. Yeah, all of it really did just hit me right in the face because I didn't see any of it coming any <laughs> any time. You didn't see it coming, literally. Oh, yeah, didn't I, I didn't. Look, once it, no. once again, he went in blind and didn't see it coming. You were just full <laughs> of fucking puns tonight, man. <laughs> I know. You you must have wrote them down. <laughs> you had this waiting like I'm going to get him tonight. I'm going to get these puns out. I'm fucking jizzing with excitement over here with this this, this fucking human, man. Oh, man, but that turkey baster, I just got to go back to it. It's just because you had the whole thing of it thawing out. Monkey like it. No, but then when they were filling it up and you had the fucking hair in there, too, and stuff like that, I was like, oh, man. Monkey watch don't breathe, and he's like, Diva, I got an idea, baby. (laughs) We got the turkey baster, baby. (laughs) Yo, yo, honey, we still got that baster under the under the stove. Is it still there? Is it still under the sink? (laughs) Why don't you turn out the lights? I'm gonna be the blind man. You be Rocky. (laughs) Oh shit. <laughs> so interesting enough, Fetty Alvarez, though, listed right now under his filmography, you know, Don't Breathe 2, you know, to be announced. Um, and I guess he's working on writing and possibly directing a sequel to Labyrinth. What? Yeah. Ow. That is what I am seeing Labyrinth 2. Um, he is involved with the Electric story. Boogaloo. And he is uh, he is listed as director for it. Okay, but that I gotta take with a grain of salt because I've literally worked with friends who have tried to get labyrinth sequels going on. They have actually had projects go like started with Disney, you know, got the wheels going, and it always got taken back. So yeah, you know. We'll see how this goes. Uh, it's like I'm going to take any sequels with a huge grain of salt. Well, well, obviously, he's not don't the have Teddy Alvarez. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he's in 
director. You know what I mean? So I think if they've got it listed, I mean, listen, I, I'm not going to say that IMDb is your crack source for fucking, you know, no, all no. all true stuff. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's really, like uh, yeah. It's yeah, you know, it's uh, it's it's still there though. You know, I don't know who uh, yeah. does Disney own Labyrinth now? I guess it was that part of the purchase. Well, they they already they yeah they owned that for a long time because way before any of that they had the rights of the Jim Henson stuff. So this was even before Marvel or any of that. This was like years and years ago. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Fascinating. Well, yeah. I'm not seeing anything involved with them, but okay. Well, just like 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 we said, Wikipedia and IMDb, it's a lot of user uh, created content. So take it. No. It's all like a monkey. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the old uh, IMDb Tribune to take a page out of the We Hate Movies podcast, calling it the IMDb <sighs> Tribune. Get your news, <laughs> but is it user created or is it actual news? I mean, we'll find out. I mean, I. I've never seen Labyrinth. So I you, care less about it. You mean I? Yeah. You mean I might but, not? But, I might not have a 14-inch penis like my Wikipedia says about me. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, I put that in there because I was sure that you did. That's why I put it in there. Oh, I was like, you know what? what? Thank you. True. Don't worry, Andy. I'm just waiting for Labyrinth to come back. Come back to theaters before we we make you go see it. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. My penis. No, Labyrinth, <laughs> not your penis. Every, everybody's seen your That's cock. That's what he calls the penis. He calls it the Labyrinth. You didn't know that? <laughs> what, that's ah. another one you haven't seen yet, King? I've never seen Labyrinth, no. no. Well, see, I think no, you would like seen. Labyrinth, actually. Well, because it's no, creepy, it? and it's, we- it's, it's weird, man. It's a weird one. It's it's not as, like, child-friendly as some of the other, uh, like, never, like, you know, there was creepy things, obviously, and, like, never-ending story, um, you know, creepy things in Dark Crystal and stuff like that, but I feel with androgynous David Bowie, you know, as the Goblin King, it just adds, like, a whole nother layer of weird to Labyrinth, which just gets, the, yeah, um, I don't know, as I get older and I watch that movie, yeah. it just kind of makes me more uncomfortable. Yeah. And the uh, amount of imaginary freedom that was used in this movie with puppetry and creature design and stuff like that, it's a completely different project from pretty much anything Henson has done before. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, think the king right. is, I think the king is sleeping. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah you're we're really talking about, we're, on this. I mean, yeah, I don't we're, know. We're talking about 80s. It's fantasy like with never ending story. You basically have to kidnap me, fill me with some beer, and go, this is what we're doing. I'm like, all right. <laughs> you know, guess I don't have a choice now. Yeah, but yeah, yeah pretty, pretty much to get to the Lion King next. Again. No, no, pretty much to get the king to watch any 80s kids movie is like, we got to treat, treat it like Rocket Raccoon did Thor and just be like, there's beer in the truck. <laughs> and he'll be like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> oh, exactly. No, I know, I know. I, I, I had to get him well lubricated to make him watch uh, The Lion King at my uh, my house back in the day. Oh, man, I remember that night. I, I, I didn't laugh as much as I ever did watching The Lion King. Like, what the fuck are you laughing at? I was like, it's hilarious. Like, the fucking dude got stomped to death by fucking deer. <laughs> you know, it's great. I'm, I'm sitting there weeping it was over fucking it was Mufasa. Open. 
They weren't elephants. Oh. They were fucking wildebeests. Oh, okay. I don't know. I thought they were deer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about the Giraffes is a deer. Speaking of fucking crying, oh. man. Not for nothing, dude. I still can't. You know, they just digitally released that Dog's Journey movie, the sequel to A Fucking Dog's Purpose. And I can't even I watch can't the watch trailer that. of that. Fu- nope. I can't watch the fucking trailer <laughs> yeah. without my nope. fucking eyes filling up with fucking tears. I'm yeah. like, oh, look, there's Dennis Quaid. He's back again. <laughs> People get killed all day long, but if a dog dies, I'm like, "Fuck this movie! It sucks. That dog didn't deserve it. <laughs> it was innocent. It just liked people. That's what it did. <laughs> the fucking first movie just—it's like—it's like what I picture a fucking baby seal feeling, just as somebody's clubbing it in the head. Like the first movie starts, and the fucking dog is born, and then it's lights out. Like, literally, oh it's like God. it fucking died, like, shortly after it was fucking born. It was like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? Is that how you start this shit? <laughs> uh, like, yeah. what's wrong with you, you fucking sadistic motherfucker? <laughs> yeah, that's like me when I went to go see Marley and me back in the day. And I fucking, I was like, why does he have to kill the dog at the end? You fucking monsters. You're responsible. <laughs> Whoever directed this movie... You fucking burn in hell. You burn in hell and you die. Because that That's dog was Turner fucking adorable. Fucking hooch for me, man. Oh my god! I'm seeing that, that shit movie in the theaters, me. dude. That fucking killed me. Oh. Thankfully, they gave you a puppy. I, at I the still end. can't watch Turner. He was back again. <laughs> yeah, I still can't watch that fucking movie. God damn Turner! I gotta track that down. You know, there was a there was a movie in the '80s called Daryl. Which had the kid from the Neverending yeah. Story in it, Barrett Oliver, where he was like a robot. That's what that's uh, the, the, yeah, the doctor brought it up. Him. Data, data analyzing robotic fucking youth life form or whatever it is. There was a yeah. dog <laughs> version of that movie called Chomps, C H O M P S. And I that don't I need to track down, man. Yeah. All right. So as we close out the show, next week the doc will be back, and it is his pick next week. Uh, Rucker Howard, who passed away a couple of weeks ago, he wanted to honor the man. So we're going to be talking about the 1986 Eric Red film, The Hitcher. So stay tuned for that as we talk about Rucker Howard mm-hmm. and Thomas E. Howell and a, a decent uh, road movie. So that's next week. Uh, once again, Monkey, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next yep, time. I'm, yep, I'm the Monkey. Thanks for listening. Let me come in your ear. <laughs> that's right. With a turkey, turkey baster. baster. <laughs> With a turkey baster. All right, I'm out. <laughs> uh, let me let me shove plug. my fucking turkey baster right in your ear, bitches. Well, speaking well, of all you ladies out there, and some of you guys and girls and and dogs, I guess I don't know whatever the fuck's listening to us, man. At this point, you know, head on over to Etsy, <laughs> look up Bonfire Bead Designs. It's all one word: Bonfire Bead Designs. You're gonna find some excellent jewelry. All kinds of cool rings, bracelets, necklaces, all the kind of shit that the people in Don't Breathe would have broken to houses to steal. Except you don't have to do okay. that. They're all well-priced. You go on the fucking internet thing, and, and you'll actually buy them. And if you're smart, when you purchase these items, you're going to write in the little header, write cock 
cock and pussy, or I want to see some cock and pussy, because if you do that, you're going to get a special bonus, and I mean, this is one hell of a fucking bonus, man, believe me, my cock is big, it is fucking getting really fluffy, and fucking, yeah, it's oh, my, my pussy's always a mess, it, it looks different every fucking night, it's weird, um, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, get on Etsy, again, one word, Bonfire Beat Designs, Get on it, and otherwise, stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. Get on that shit, people. You want to see the cock pussy. So until next we meet, next week we'll be talking about The Hitcher from 1986. Get ready for a ride with John Ryder. Rucker Howard, rest in peace. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. I'm your old pal, the king of horror, Andy G. Singh. See you next time. The monkey eats cock and pussy. <laughs>